and welcome to Kick-Ass Conferences Talk Show. I'm Nessa Jimenez, the Operations Manager for Kick-Ass Conferences. And I'm Isaac Watson, Executive Producer. And this is the show where we sit down to talk about everything events. Now, today our topic is the key characteristics of a Kick-Ass Conference host. And now I want to clarify, what is a Kick-Ass Conference host? So we are producers, so yes. we handle the strategy and execution, all of the logistics, things like that. Um, a host is really going to be our client who we work with. So the host right. is somebody who brings their audience together. They may also be the onstage MC, or we may bring in a different person to actually do the MCing from stage. Um, but when we say a kick-ass event host or conference host, that's who we're talking about is the person that we're working with who's organizing the community and the audience around the event, not purely, uh, you know, managing things on stage. Yes. So it's the person that's bringing us all together and they're the reason behind all of it. Not necessarily the person that we see on stage. Yep. Okay, cool. Thanks for that distinction because I think that when we say the word host, that's what people are thinking. They're thinking of the MC and that's two different things. Okay. Um, so yeah, we came up with three what we consider key characteristics of a, of a good host. And this is based off of our experiences with clients in the past. Um, based off of things that were like super great and things that were not so great. And we came up with these three and we wanted to talk about them today. So let's jump right in. The first one is purpose. So as we've worked over the years with our clients, uh, I, I think it's important to acknowledge that not everybody is perfect at hosting a conference. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's important to identify like, what are the good things? What are the things that, that definitely need some work? Things like that. Um, purpose always, I think come for me, comes down to one of the most foundational elements. Uh, if a, if a, a business owner or a community organizer, um, what have you, comes to us and wants to organize an event, the first thing we're going to do is ask why. Exactly. Uh, and if you don't have that sense of why, then you have a lot of work to do to get there. Um, mm -hmm. So having that clear vision for who is this for? Why are we doing this? What is the need? How um, how committed are you to the community? Those, these are all things that, that are going to help set that foundation for building the strategy on top of it. Um, Part of that is also being goal oriented, mm -hmm. you know, knowing how you're going to measure your success um, or what success looks like for this particular audience. So having that clear vision is really, really key. Yeah. And when we work with people, when they come to us, they don't necessarily have it all planned out. Right. Like we help them get more detailed on um I guess the true core of their purpose, because sometimes they'll come to us with what they think is the purpose. And then when we work with them, we help them discover what the actual purpose is. Like, why do they actually want to do this? And that is one of our favorite things is like challenging your assumptions as a yeah. client and, and really teasing out like, what is that true purpose? Yes. And I think um, things always work better the more specific we're able to get with people or the more specific that they come to us right with their idea and um in terms of goal oriented yeah they might not know how to get there and that's how we help them but they do have this image of where they want to get to with the audience or with their idea with their uh vision for this conference that they're trying to put together yeah 
I feel like um, when it comes to commitment to the community, it's about um, having a really clear sense for what um, what need you're fulfilling for the community and being committed to helping them through that. It's not always about altruism. It's not always mm-hmm. about um, you know pursuing a cause per se, uh, but it is there is this this dedication uh, to helping, this kind of service oriented attitude that really helps to fulfill those goals. Yeah, it's coming at it with this idea of I have this thing in mind. And I know who it's for, or I know who, who needs it, or I know where it fits. It's it's not it's not I want to do this because I, I want to make a million dollars, right? It's when they come to us and they say, this is a thing that needs to exist. Yeah. Cool. Now, our second uh, key characteristic is curious and vulnerable. So I think this is like a, a, a one-two punch. So curiosity in and of itself is a great thing. Curious people are fantastic. But um, adding to that a layer of vulnerability changes the way that curiosity works, I think. Um, so for me, what that means is uh, that you're willing to experiment. Right. Um, that you are willing to adapt Mm-hmm. If something isn't working or to change things up that you're willing, the curiosity brings in this like willingness to listen uh, and, and to, ask questions and ask questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, trying to gain a deeper understanding of the people that you're serving. This goes back to the commitment of commitment to community. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it gives you the ability to be flexible and nimble and agile when it comes to creating this experience for people uh, for the first time, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If someone were to come to us with purpose, with an idea, but they're not willing to ask questions, they're not willing to mold the idea. They're not willing to be open to allow us to, to give them ideas or to ask them questions about, mm, do you think it's this or would this work better? Right. Um, it goes hand in hand with being open and, and, and yeah, curious, wanting to know, like, how can I make this better? How can I bring people in to help me with this? Um, and because when you say vulnerability as well, there is also like that willingness to be wrong mm-hmm. and being okay with that versus someone who's just like, nope, this is what this is. And I just want you to do it where, where that just becomes sort of a logistical thing, yeah. right? Yeah, I think that there's that the vulner, vulnerability brings transparency and mm-hmm. being able to say, you know, we're trying this. Um, it it helps to have a sense of confidence, right? But but without if if you if you have too much rigidity around, you know, implying that you know what's best, um, not listening, mm-hmm. uh, not asking questions, not asking the right questions then that limits your ability to actually serve the community that you're bringing together. Mm-hmm. And if, I mean, nothing is set in stone. So if you're coming to this with this expectation of like, it has to be my original idea, it has to be. And if it doesn't happen that way, then it's bad, right? Experimentation is 
I'm going to try this thing and we'll see what happens. It's not, I'm going to do it and this is what's going to happen and it's going to happen this way because I said so. That's just, it, it, it just makes everybody miserable. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun to work with people that have this idea of, because I said so and that's it. Yeah. And, you know, to not to toot our own horn, but... Mm -hmm. That's why we love challenging the assumptions mm -hmm. from the get-go and mm -hmm. saying, okay, well, is this truly what um, what this particular sense of purpose needs? Um, you know, are your assumptions coming into this in line with what the community actually wants or um, how they expect to gather or um, what kind of content you plan on presenting what format i mean like all these questions mm -hmm. come to bear and and having that that flexibility in um in how that's all presented and put together can really help you adapt to um to serving your audience's actual needs yeah and that just made me think of when we work with a new audience on a new event when we do the surveys, when audience surveys, where it's literally just us asking questions of like, who are you? What do you want? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, we think you want this conference. We think you want this, but you tell us, right? Like, what are your needs? What are you looking for? Um, and there are a lot of people who are not willing to do that. They do not want to do surveys. They do not want to ask people questions, right? They just want to do the thing and they did it, right? And I think that that comes down to uh, what I would call an unhealthy amount of ego. I think that there's mm -hmm. room for healthy ego in any leadership position, any community organizing position. Um, that's just part of what leadership is. But when that ego gets in the way of letting a leader or an organizer or a host um, truly serve the audience, that's where we get into trouble. Yeah. And I mean, ego's good. It's not like it's all bad, but if that's how strongly you feel about it, it's like, write that book. You better write that book, you know, like <laughs> or have a YouTube channel or you just sit there and talk at people. Right. Because the yeah. whole thing with conferences is that it's bringing people together. It's not, this is the me show and you have to listen to me and that like, that's it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect. Okay. Now our last car characteristic that we'll talk about today is a strong work ethic. Yes, this is key. Mm -hmm. and this is a little more um, brass tacks and logistical, mm -hmm. but when it comes to actually putting the thing together, mm -hmm. even if you were to bring in a team like ourselves, um, you have to do the work and mm -hmm. you have to know um, where to put your time and resources. You have to know that it does take work. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people um, forget either forget or are ignorant to the fact that organizing a, a first-time conference in particular yeah. is like launching a new product or starting a new business. Yes. And so that yes. takes time, energy, resources, whether that's, you know, developing an identity for it, putting together copy, um, a marketing strategy, all of these things take uh, take time, take skill, take energy. And so having that work ethic, being willing to roll up your sleeves and say, yeah, 
I'm in it, I'm committed. Um, and to be willing to invest in what truly matters too. Mm-hmm. Uh, conferences are not entirely DIY. It's some people can do it. Some people are naturally attuned to, to those skills and that's great. I would say that the majority of people aren't. And so it's mm-hmm. knowing, you know, where do I need AV help? Where do I need strategic help? Um, what can I invest in that's going to make the most impact on fulfilling my purpose and my vision for the community um, and help me help enable this to, uh, to succeed? Yeah, and we've talked about it before. I, I, there's all kinds of apps. There's all kinds of tools. There's all kinds of vendors. There's all kinds of things. Like, that's not the issue. The issue is, okay, what of all of this is actually what I need? Is actually serving my purpose? Is actually helping me reach the people that I want to reach? It's not a it's not a tools issue, right? Like, it's not just the logistical because there's so many things out there to to do the thing. And now with virtual as well, there's like. A million more things. All the it, apps. Yes, all the apps, all the things. But it's how how is this serving me? The strategy of is this working? Is this what I'm actually trying to do? Does this, does this fit with the story I want to tell? And I want to go back to that comment you made about it being like a product launch or it being like starting a new business because. It, it really that really is what it is um if you've decided to launch a conference what you're saying is i'm de- i'm going to dedicate the next 12 13 months to launch this product and it's a conference right like we have the date and we have this amount of time and all of these things need to get done within that amount of time and you have to be there it's not it's not something that you just say you're going to do it and then you do it it happens no it really takes dedication to be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give us the attention that it needs. And just like a business, there are phases, there are steps, there are things that need to happen as you build up to that launch. And then guess what? You launch it and that's like the beginning. The conference itself is actually the beginning. <laughs> Cause after that, there's a whole other thing that has to happen of and analyzing, right? Did this work? Did did people actually like it? Do I want to do this again? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So this aspect of it is a business, you have to have that entrepreneurial mindset of, I'm going to treat this like a business. This is not a joke. This is not a game. This is not a thing I'm I'm kind of playing with. It's you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, you know, if you're a larger company, um, who's putting together, you know, a conference around a particular industry, um, that also goes to dedicating internal resources. Um, or if you can't dedicate internal resources, being willing to invest in external resources, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether that's developing a brand identity, a sub-brand for uh, a conference product. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're busy working on a product launch and your team's dedicated to, you know, all the design work involved with that, you don't have the time and energy to dedicate toward uh, creating an identity for the conference you want to host, then you have to be able to hire help to do that because that's still necessary. Something has to happen. Exactly. It has to get done at some point by somebody. (laughs) Yeah. And I think 
trust is also, um, I, I guess this is kind of going back to the curious and vulnerable you were talking about before, but trusting that if I can't do it myself or if my team can't do it, I need to trust that the people that I'm bringing in can do their jobs and I'm not going to uh, feel the need to micromanage or question every single little thing because I'm terrified and I, I just don't trust other people. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you bring up trust because as we were kind of chatting through what mm -hmm. these characteristics were, I mm -hmm. almost brought that up as a fourth one ah. um, because, and it's not just trusting in the team you're working with. It's also trusting the audience. It's trusting uh, the process. It's trusting the, um, the, your own time and energy I, like and and maybe I didn't bring it up because I wasn't quite sure how to articulate it but mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that, that maybe there's this underlying trust factor that kind of cements all of these together yeah let's go into that then let's talk about a little bit more about that because it's funny that you thought of it but you didn't mention it because I also thought of it but didn't mention ah. it <laughs> <laughs> The hidden fourth character. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bonus. The bonus one. Trust. Um, yeah, because for me, it's frustrating um, if we work with someone and I feel like they don't trust me to do the thing that they paid me to do. It, it, it's so hard because it's like, you paid me to help you. Please let me help you. Right. <laughs> Please let me do the thing. Um, and they want to, but at the end of the day like they have there's like this internal struggle within themselves and they second guess and they question and that makes the process more difficult for everyone in the end because if i mean we go to the clients for approval for things right so that's kind of like it slows the process down because if that person is maybe say indecisive they're not sure where to go and we make a suggestion but they're still they still don't go one way or the other um but that then we have vendors that are waiting for us to say like hey you know just checking in what did they say and and yeah that makes the process just awkward all around if there is a lack of trust right yeah and i think so the trust carries into the the purpose characteristics so mm. if you don't trust your your own vision mm. um if you're if you're constantly second guessing yourself um if you don't trust the goals you're trying to hit if you don't trust your own commitment to community that's going to affect everything else along mm -hmm. the way so you have to trust mm -hmm. in yourself and your own purpose um and I think that the trust plays into the curiosity and vulnerability. It's trusting the audience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've seen, I was talking about a, an event I attended where there was an enormous amount of trust literally put in the community to self-manage mm -hmm. a, a Slack group during mm -hmm. the event, right? Um, that takes a lot of, you know, just saying, I mean, code of conducts are absolutely necessary and should be enforced. Mm -hmm. And that's like a whole other thing. I'm not saying those shouldn't exist, but um, trusting the audience to seek out their own solutions, to, to provide candid feedback, to um, trusting them to trust you even mm -hmm. like, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it's kind of the cyclical thing, but that 
um, that trust in in vulnerability and experimentation in uh, and this is where it starts to get a little nebulous because we didn't really talk about this much but, but like, it starts because it starts to mix with the curiosity thing because trusting yes. that audience is because they were curious enough to get to know that audience because let me tell you you cannot trust just any old audience with a chat or with a slack like that like when you tell me oh. they're doing that i was just like no i can't deal because i've moderated i've moderated uh, things before and it's just like <laughs> It's well, just like, just like, <laughs> you know, it's the internet. You've been on the internet. You know how it works, right? Yeah. And if there's an opportunity to be a jackass, people will take it. If there's an yeah. opportunity to like, <sighs> another thing is the shared, like when people do the whiteboards, the shared whiteboards. Ah, uh, yes. So I have to sit there like, okay, I have to be prepared to erase the penis drawings because you know right, it's yes. coming. <laughs> you know it's going to happen. So that's why I'm like, you really need to know the audience if you're really intent on doing <laughs> these kind of uh, uh, things, trusting people with that. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's about um, the people who do it really well, the hosts that do it really well, mm -hmm. have the ability to communicate their level of trust. So mm -hmm. I worked on, on an event for five years um, that leaned very heavily on a team of volunteers um, to help manage the event. Mm -hmm. uh, and that team, it was anywhere from, from 50 to 100 volunteers over the course of a week. We asked an enormous amount of, uh, of commitment from them and they always delivered and, and something that came through every time we did an orientation, every time we onboarded a new volunteer was letting them know that we were empowering them to fulfill the values of the event in whatever that way that meant, mm -hmm. putting the trust in them to say, you don't need to run something up, up the flagpole if you know, if you see an attendee who's having a hard time hailing a ride to this event, or if somebody's, um, you know, sulking in a corner, or if whatever, if you see an issue, like you as an ambassador for this event should feel empowered to help that person. Mm -hmm. um, that level of trust begets a different level of commitment of service right. as opposed to micromanaging, removing authority, making everything a, a, uh, escalation chain. Um, and right. leaning on those values, implying that sense of, or communicating that sense of trust, I think is, is huge. I think in the case of this other event that I just intended, um, you know, it was, was saying, hey, yes, we are giving you the ability to create whatever Slack channel you want. Keep in mind there's a code of conduct and um, you know, use your best judgment. And the community that this particular event has cultivated is receptive to that. And mm -hmm. so they take on the responsibility of doing it intelligently and doing it uh, meaningfully in a way that you know, a free event of a couple thousand people yeah. on a shared whiteboard, like, of course, yes. there's going to be some graffiti. Right? Yes. <laughs> um, because there's no, there's no filter around who's mm -hmm. attending that. So um, 
that that level of trust does does play into the curiosity and the vulnerability it's also a way to ensure that your audience is kind of um ponying up and and um leveling up their level of engagement with the event itself they're empowered i would say that's empowered and um because there's also the element of discernment i trust you to have discernment right to know what's right and what's wrong okay so let's let's bring this all together so we talked about key characteristics purpose curiosity and vulnerability and the strong work ethic now to close out this conversation can we give people a takeaway of of maybe how to get to that point with those uh characteristics because if you don't got it you can develop it i i I don't think it's like you have to be born with it or that's it right Uh, right um these are not innate characteristics Mm. some people have them some people develop them um i think if if any of these three things are missing that's a clear indication of what you can focus on so Mm -hmm. you know if you if you have an unhealthy amount of ego and you aren't curious and vulnerable maybe it's hard to identify that that's the issue because the ego gets in the way of that but um you know but i would say for that one is ask more questions learn to ask questions and listen to the answers yeah, I think so. So let's start from the beginning. So mm-hmm. um, when you're looking at your purpose, mm-hmm. if you don't have a clear vision, that is the opportunity for some deep work on meditation. Your own to see what that is. Med- like <laughs> thinking, th- think about it. Bring on an existential crisis, yeah. but um, <laughs> that that is like reason number one why you should take mm-hmm. a step back and think about you know what is what is influencing me in this direction mm-hmm. um why am i committed to this community start asking the the internal yeah. whys um yeah. and and you know journaling and whiteboarding and yeah. team conversations and things like that are all really really helpful yeah and my favorite question is why just keep asking why absolutely if i think this is the answer why do i think that oh i think this so why just keep going until you can't go anymore and that'll take you through a lot of routes yes and i would add to that that um working toward a disputable purpose Mm -hmm. in the words of priya parker who we love Mm -hmm. um, from her book the art of gathering um asking the why until you get to a point where you can argue confidently for something so mm-hmm. it's not just, well, I love it. It's not just, um, these are my people. Mm-hmm. Getting really down to, um, can, I, can I clearly identify with this purpose, either yes or no? And can I make an argument for why yes? Can I make an argument for why no? That's important. I think from a curiosity and vulnerability standpoint, um, setting the ego aside, starting to ask more questions of others. So Mm -hmm. purpose is asking questions of yourself. Mm -hmm. Curiosity and vulnerability is asking questions of others, adapting the curiosity skill, starting to have conversations. That's a great opportunity for um, 
uh, don't like the term focus groups, but um, customer conversations, just conversations, just having dialogue with people mm-hmm. about these mm-hmm. things. Um, and then the work ethic, if you feel like you don't have the capacity or the bandwidth to take on something like this, I would then say it's worth asking why you think this is necessary mm-hmm. and why it's not a priority mm-hmm. um, because that might reveal some some underlying reasons why um, perhaps you feel compelled to do this because it's a natural next step. But if you don't have the, you know, the resources available to do it, then you, know, you can't do it. Yeah. Um, I think it's also a, a matter of identifying what you are willing to invest in it. And this mm-hmm. is a conversation I've had with clients over the years is we start looking at, at, at budgeting um, in, in certain areas where, you know, maybe, uh, ticket sales aren't materializing as they thought they would. Um, the, if you build it, they will come scenario doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I start to ask, okay, how much are you willing to invest to make this happen, to set this foundation work for the event, especially as a first time conference, if you can put a number behind that, um, you know, a, that will help you identify how many, how much resources you are willing to put into the actual production of the event. Yeah. And I mean, it's either time or it's money. You don't have the time. You've got to bring in a team and that, that requires an investment. So how much does that cost to you? How much are you willing to put into that? So uh, the sweat equity, but also the financial investment of, I want to do it and I need help. So how much am I able to invest in that? Yeah. And if not now, when? When? Exactly. Yeah. Because uh, it just might not be the right time now. Exactly. Especially if you know it's going to take a 12 to 15 month commitment um, to, to make it happen in the first place. You're, you're looking out two, three years, maybe five years in advance. And if you know, oh, well, my business is going to be at a point where I can support this from an mm-hmm. investment standpoint mm-hmm. in three years, then great. You can start to lay the groundwork uh, for the other two traits, the purpose and the, and the curiosity and vulnerability um, to get you there in the future. Uh, for me, this comes down, this draws a lot of parallels to the entrepreneurial mindset. These are very similar themes to what you see in successful small business owners and founders who are, um, who have this clear vision and sense of purpose, who are curious and vulnerable, who are willing to put in the time and energy as a small team or as a solo team, um, to make it happen. And so those are, um, that, that kind of skill set and mindset lends itself really well to organizing or and hosting a conference. I agree. But I would also say we need to be careful because uh, uh, just the phrase entrepreneurial mindset, like it is said so much everywhere that it just means nothing. And there's this sort of stereotype of like the lone wolf entrepreneur, which is a complete lie. Um, So I would say be careful with that. (laughs) Right? Like um, it's not this lone wolf. I'm the entrepreneur. I did it all by myself kind of thing. It's definitely a group effort and it's if it's about bringing community together, it's kind of weird to then try to lone wolf the whole thing because you're an entrepreneur, right? Yes. 
And newsflash, there's no exit strategy for hosting a conference. (laughs) You're either, you're doing it or you're not. It's not like you can go sell it to someone else. So this is, so that, that is another way in which it differs. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know how we are. Like there's certain phrases and things of like the mainstream that I'm like, like, yes, but no, because I don't, there's like this whole, not stigma, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, uh, it's like thought leadership. Right? Yes, like that's another that, one. It's loaded. Leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth. It's a loaded. Yes, thing. yes. There's, um, there's reason why it exists, and those reasons are valid. But um, it's been abused and mm-hmm. uh, misguided in a lot of ways. So one hundred yes. perfect. Okay. So thank you so much, Isaac. This was another uh, great conversation. Um, so. I want to say thanks to everyone for watching and or listening. Um, you can find us at kickassconf.com. And if you enjoyed this, please feel free to share it. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Take care.